John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. John, it's the High Game Podcast. Yes, and we're melting. It is 100 plus today here in beautiful West Seattle. I think so. Even higher in Portland. The Pacific Northwest is on fire. Yeah. On fire. We are baking under a dome of our own sins. <laughs> yeah. Do you know about Fermi's Paradox, John? The, the little small furry dolls that you can get? Right, the Furby Paradox. Right. There's so many stars in the universe. Uh-huh. It should be teeming with life, and yet we find no evidence of that. Yes. Why are we not just bumping into alien intelligent life? Yes. As a civilization gets far enough advanced, it just burns itself out. They do something, and you hit a point uh-huh. that you just kill all life on that planet yeah right we're living it ronald reagan the first thing he did when he took the white house was pulled the solar panels off the white house yep get rid of this fucking environmental bullshit drill up some oil and burn it i don't want to blame the extinction of the entire human race Uh on one person right but it's ronald reagan's fault <laughs> I leaned over to uh, turn off the fan and accidentally got within range of the theremin. Why is there a theremin set up in this house? Why is there not a theremin set up in yours? The local rock Valley 
Beverages. Beverages, Ed. No idea. No idea? I mean, it's 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 totally like, I know I should know this. In the future times. Sure. I'm sure everybody's going to get that. Right. In the right. here and now, as we record this and I butcher it, I can see why it's a little more difficult. What did you say? Pleasant something Sunday? What's that lyric? Pleasant Valley Sunday. Yeah. It's the monkeys. And Pleasant Valley Sunday is the name of that song. Huh. Okay. It's from the album Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited. That is a great name. 1967. Hippie vibes. Yep. Let the monkeys take over energy policy. Another Pleasant Valley Sunday, charcoal burning everywhere. (laughs) Yes. Yep. It's hot, John. It's put me in a very fucking cranky mood. Well, you're not going to be happy that Davy Jones left the building then. Oh, no. Is he the only one? Do we have the rest of them? Sure. Oh. Oh. Peter Tork has also left the building. That's a bummer. Which one is the one with the mom with whiteout? Michael Nesmith. Yeah. Yeah. I got a, uh... Wait a minute. Not a juice? Is it too hot to crank up the juice machine? The juicing community? hmm I don't know if they would be stoked to know that I have weaponized my juicer. What? Yeah. Weapon of mass destruction. What do you mean? You know, I've been doing ginger just to give it a little punch, right? A little something extra. Yeah. Right? You gotta have that kick in your juice. The juice kick. Yeah. So this week, I throw like a pound of kale, a bunch of carrots, a couple apples, a pear, and then I took two full-blown jalapenos and dropped them in just to give it a little hot kick, right? So it's got that sweet, but then boom, right? But the thing I didn't consider, Uh when you do that, you drop them in, it basically aerosols it. It turned my entire kitchen into like a pepper spray factory but it's delicious it's sweet with just enough of a kick at the end to make you regret it i think it's really good it's just i have to be careful next time when i drop those things in okay so what do you have in lieu of that then today a non-alcoholic heineken beer because i just needed something to cool me down in this 118 degrees does the non-alcoholic heineken beer have a slogan Heineken. Fuck that shit. Paps Blue Ribbon. That's some Frank Booth. Yeah. Dennis Hopper. Oh. And then I got a cup of coffee, a uh, black coffee. Is it cold? It is hot coffee. You know, what do you do? I gotta have my hot coffee. I've got a hot coffee, even though it's 130 out. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. I have a Teddy's Ginger Ale. It's old-fashioned style, apparently, so they don't need a slogan. Oldie times. Yeah. Get with it. This, Ed, yeah. is a Gibson mm-hmm. RRD Custom. Yep. Introduced in 1977. RRD, in this case, stands for Research and Development. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The rest of the world says R&D. Right. I guess they prefer to just say RD. Yeah. It seems short-sighted to call that RD. Did they have no intention to ever do any more RD? 
It's not the RD1, and then we could have the RD10. This is just the RD. Research and development is done. We can move on. Yeah, exactly. Now it's just retreading old ground. Imagine if a firebird and an explorer yeah. had a baby. Kinda. It's more blobby, right? Like, it's more curvy than either of them. Gumby. Yeah. Yeah. It is in that world, but different. It is different. So what's the RD part of this? You might be wondering. Yeah, I am. I'll give you the rundown here. Okay. It's all maple, maple neck, maple body. In this case, maple fretboard Yeah. bound with perloid inlays. Yep. It has two humbucker V6s in it. They had to be developed specifically for this guitar. This is an active guitar. Right now, my two volumes are in the middle. Yeah. When they're in the middle, at five, you're essentially looking at regular old humbucker land. Move either of them, or both of them, past five, it kicks in the preamp. Sure. The activeness. Here's before. And I just turn these up to ten. A little hotter, huh? Pretty hot. Your tone controls, master, treble, and bass. Oh, interesting. They work as boost and cut. Okay. Instead of a knob that goes from 0 to 10, the 0 is in the middle. Yep. And you can go to plus 5 or minus 5. Yep. There's some more bass boost. There's some more treble boost. Treble up, bass down. Treble up, bass down. Funny you should ask for that, Ed. Yeah. I might as well put it on the back pickup. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty trebly. But wait, there's more. Okay. There's this additional switch. Yeah. It's a bright switch. You think this is bright. Let's put the bright switch on. That's too much, John. Too much. I don't think Gibson thought it was too much. No? Explaining what that bright switch does to your tone, they say it, quote, provides a very bright, sassy signal. <laughs> sure. What do you think? Does that add sass to my signal? It's pretty sassy. You know what it struck me as? Huh. Shellac. Throw a fuzz on for that shellac. That is my latest fuzz, by the way. Tell me about it. That is called the summoner fuzz. Okay. It summons things. Sure. Made by our good friend Ernie over there at Wire Instruments. Ernie Bailey. Yes. It's a heavy gated high gain fuzz. Pretty fuzzy. Play a little more like low E riff kind of thing. This guitar, that pedal combo. Yeah. Pretty good. That was in the bright mode. Should we take it back to regular town? 
unbridify it and put a little more beef on it. Okay. Yeah. I really like this pedal. A thing that occurs to me with that guitar, John. Yes. It's called a custom, and it's actually yes. pretty darn plain Jane looking. You know, there's no body binding, pretty minimal pick guard. Visually, yeah, you're probably right. There's not much to recommend it in terms of style. Yeah. It's under the hood where the custom happens. Yeah. They began working on this thing in about 1975. Okay. Norland territory, where Gibson is stinking the joint up with their bullshit. I am probably a Norland apologist. You love them? I think some of the most reviled stuff from <laughs> that era is stuff I really love. I yeah. think the Sonics is cool. Yeah. I think the Paul is really cool. I think a lot of the stuff that Norland did is great. I would play this one in a heartbeat. It's rad. But going under the hood. Yeah. This was the first active guitar, this RD, that Gibson ever made. Sure. And to get the circuit designed right, they needed somebody who knew what they were doing. Who'd they get, Ed? You're going to say the name and I'm going to go, oh, right. Well, in 1971, Norland purchased Moog. <laughs> Bob? Did they have Bob do it? They had Bob do it. That thing is rad. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. This particular one is a Thera Mini that allows you to even tune it. Wow. Yeah, it's really fun. It's got like a whole effects bank built into it. There's an app, too. Yeah. Made by Moog Music. Yep. Okay, so there's Bob Moog at Norlin in 71 designing circuits for guitars. He's on the payroll. Yeah, and he has said that when he left, which was in 1977, the only reason he stayed as long as he did was because he had to wait four years for his stock to vest. Good for him. Good for our man Bob. Yeah. How's he doing these days? Bob Moog? Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. We lost him in 2005. Yeah, yeah. So he designed the bright circuit in here and the active electronics. Yeah. There are three levels. Okay. Standard is just a passive guitar. Oh, there is an RD standard? Yeah, it's just regular old two pickups. There you go. Looks exactly like this? Yes. Standard, please. I think I'd take the standard. Yeah. Then this one with the bright switch. Okay. And then the artist also had a switch. They called it the trick switch. Oh, okay. Instead of on and off like this bright switch, the trick switch is three-way. Okay. In the middle, that trick switch did nothing. Sure. Off. Yep. If you flip that switch up towards the neck, mm -hmm. what you would get is compression only in the neck pickup. Okay. If you flipped it back, you would get expansion oh. only in the bridge pickup. Compression reduces the signal above a certain level. If you have a compressor that you can control, you can tell it, hey, when things get this loud, smush it, push it back down. Whereas expansion works the other way. If it goes below the threshold, pump it back up. Yeah, I guess I'd have to hear it from the guitar. I'd like to hear how his circuit does that. 
Yeah. I still think I'd take the standard. Well, you bring up a good point, Ed, because these were not particularly popular. I think of John Entwistle. He had a base version of this, right? He did. They only made five models. The standard, the artist, and the custom I've mentioned. Yep. And then they made a base version of both the artist and the standard. There was no base custom. And Entwistle played a standard, yeah. both, whatever he wanted. Yeah, I guess they just backed the truck up to Entwistle's house. Right. Uh this episode, I don't think we've said a name without hitting them with the dong. Well, it is hot out. It's probably pushing, what, like 140 now? Probably. Dunnable makes a guitar that looks a lot like this thing. If we try a little harder, yeah, unlike our normal selves, <laughs> okay. to describe this, I guess I would say, first off, it's an offset body. The waist yep. is offset. Yep. The top horn is abbreviated in the way that it can look when you just cut it off. Yep. And then the bottom horn looks kind of regular. On the treble side, where the controls are, the knobs, looks kind of rounded out normally. And then on the bass side, it just kind of juts out the back like an explorer, but not as far and not as pointy. Aesthetically, it's interesting that the bottom is very soft rounded, and then the top is rounded but more pointy. Even the shapes are different. Almost like they couldn't settle on, do we want this thing to be kind of like less poly rounded or explore? <laughs> Why don't we just do both? Not only was it not successful, not only did Bob Moog split the building in 77, he was done with it. In 79, they discontinued this whole nonsense. While musicians were telling them, we don't need all that shit. We don't need the active. We don't need to switch stuff. Gibson remained convinced that it was the shape of the guitar that was the downfall. Let's put the RD stuff in Les Pauls and ES bodies. It'll be great. Yeah, it wasn't. No. Nobody wanted that either, and that kind of quietly went away about 1981. That was the end of that. They made a couple of stabs at reissuing this thing over the years. I think Dave Grohl played one briefly. I think it's got that thing where it's cool because it's rare. It's that Norlin era thing of like, oh, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. Another thing about this. Yeah. It goes way up there in the fretage. Yeah. I'll put on the bright switch and play the highest fret. I know Ed likes that. Ooh. Yeah, I picked it up, and the first thing I commented on was the neck, because it's super thin, and the scale length is weird. And I'm not the most discerning, you know, like, I'll just pick up a baseball bat neck or a standard kind of normal modern shape, and right. none of them really weird me out. This one's way thin for a Gibson. It is. The normal scale length on Gibsons is in the neighborhood of 24 and three quarters. Yep. This one is 25 and a half. Yeah. It is longer. It feels longer. Yep. I think with the longer scale length, maybe the reason for cutting out the waist in this way is to make it sit more comfortably. Absolutely. I picked the neck up and just immediately went, oh, something's weird with this. It's pretty comfortable to play. It sits and balances nicely. Yep. Let's kick in the active. We'll put on Ernie's pedal again. Yep. The summoner fuzz.
That's respectable. And then, of course, if you feel like stacking your phrases. me accompanying myself on theremin <laughs> that is pretty great that's a lot of pedals you were just clicking on and off there the awesome doesn't make itself ed no absolutely <laughs> not what am i gonna do rely on my own skill that's not gonna happen <laughs> you might be wondering at this point ed yeah what became of bob Made some theremins, made some cool-ass keyboards. Well, we know him as the kind of inventor of the Moog synthesizer, Yep, of course, but why the theremin? It turns out the theremin was his first love as a kid and remained dear to his heart throughout his life. He built his first one when he was 14 in 1949. There were plans in a magazine, and he built a theremin. Yeah. And here's how smart this kid was. He built it. Played it, loved it, and decided, I think I can do it better. He designed his own yeah, and started selling kits. If you want to make my theremin, maybe you want to buy my kit. Yeah. And that started the R.A. Moog Company in 1954. He was about 19. That's awesome. Did he end up going to, like, engineering? He did, yeah. He ended up going to Columbia and finally got a Ph.D. from Cornell in engineering physics. Oh, Jesus. Very smart guy. And the reason he wanted to do synthesizers is because at that point in the 60s, a synth would take up an entire room. Right. He was convinced he could design something that would be more portable. Right. And when he first did it, it was a smash hit. Wouldn't take long for the musicians to figure it out. So he was doing a lot of the synth stuff in the 60s, right? Uh Uh-huh. So what the hell was he doing at Gibson in 75? They just locked him down with golden handcuffs for four years. Yeah. Wild. The first commercial recording that had a Moog on it Yeah. was by the Monkees. Oh, my God, John. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. It's widely considered to be the first. Huh. That album, 1967, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited. Yeah. Considered to be the first album that had a Moog synthesizer on it. And the guitar you're playing also has Moog designs in it. Yes. Pulling it all together. All together. I love it. So when Bob splits, he moves to Asheville, North Carolina. And he starts what's called Big Briar. Because Gibson owns the rights to the name Moog. He can't do anything about that. Right. But just wait it out. And he actually did that. 2002, he bought the rights to the name back. Huh. Stayed in Asheville, and that's where Moog music is to this day in Asheville, North Carolina. That's where this theremini instrument comes from. Not made in the U.S. Made in the U.S. in Asheville, North Carolina. No kidding? That yeah, thing? Yeah. Weird. That is very surprising. Right here, I'm looking at the box. What's it say? The box says, Moog Theramini, uh-huh. designed and assembled by hand in Asheville, North Carolina, 
United States of America. There you go. Yeah, okay. It's also interesting because these things are not very expensive. So it's a hand-built in the USA theremin with a lot of cool, like, app integration stuff, stereo out. Yeah. And they've made it so that it's easy to succeed. I have it set basically to a blue scale. Yeah. I can wave my hand around and it's going to land somewhere. Right. So do you set it to a key? Yeah. Blue scale and E. You're hitting all the right notes. That's yeah. cool. I'm such a great thereminist. <laughs> The reminist. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine if you didn't have that, it would be... It would be frustrating, probably. This is a lot of fun. Okay, I'm back in not bright mode. Neck pickup. Bridge. How about this guitar, John? Are you ready for our new-ish thing? Fire deny? Yeah, what do you think? I call this a buy. Yeah. Like I said, I just have that weirdo soft spot. And this one's, man, verging on a hard buy. Putting effects into guitars. I just don't want one more thing to deal with. So I would prefer a standard version of this. But just from the weirdo Norlin looks. They are demodeled full stop. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I would take an artist or a custom but I think if I had the three lined up in front of me, and I think the standard is by far the cheapest, I would take the standard. Right. So it sounds, viewers, like what we're saying is it's a buy Yeah. on the RD. Yeah. As for what flavor, make up your own mind. Make up your own mind, but standard is the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds great. It sounds really great. It does. Go online. Yeah. Look it up. Look on Reverb or your guitar photo site of choice. See what you think. We borrowed this from Cousin Will down at Thunder Road Guitars in Portland. Uncle Frank and Cousin Will. Yeah. Uncle Frank is up here in West Seattle. Yep. Cousin Will's down there in PDX. Yeah. So yeah, check it out. And when you're done with that, stay cool. Right. Hydrate. Yes. Maybe go into an air-conditioned room and fire up the internet box. Right. And go to thehighgain.com. Yep. Look at some pictures. Sure. Listen to some episodes you might not have caught already. Just on the off chance there's some. Yeah. Or re-listen. We don't care. Listen again. Leave a review on iTunes. We like that. Oh, we love it. You can look at pictures on Instagram. Yep. Then hit up Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Look up Ronald Reagan and his environmental policies and why he killed us all not ed's fault that's the takeaway yeah have a great day john yeah you too ed okay bye all right bye